Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 256th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, our guest this week, Kyle DeVries, <laughs> podcast host. Um, You're about to ask me, how are you doing again, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing today, Kyle? We could get in just like a loop where we, like I <laughs> we, accidentally just go right back into We almost did. Yeah. Uh, Producer Cameron just reminded us football starts tomorrow. Hall of Fame game? I guess so. Mm-hmm. Not in a, not Mizzou football. Not college football. The superior football. It's fine. <laughs> uh, no. NFL football starts tomorrow. Who plays in the Hall of Fame game? Jets and Browns. I got, a lot of, of, I got a lot of Jets on my fantasy team. A couple so of prestigious franchises there. It's true. Um, do they actually play the starters in the Hall of Fame game? Usually not, not, unless you're Josh Jacobs last year. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I probably won't tune into that, <laughs> but it is football month for Mizzou football. Yeah. We've got game one, end it's of this here. month, very soon, very quickly approaching. It almost doesn't feel real. No. That it's this close. No, and especially, I mean, like you in particular have a lot going on between now and then. And so you're finishing up school. You've got a baby that's going to arrive anytime now. So, how most importantly, yeah, Mizzou footballs, yeah, coming up, yeah. Most importantly, we've got to like tell you all about the team and like make (laughs) predictions and try to figure out how the season's going to go beforehand. Yes, I so I don't know what we're going to do schedule wise in the second half of August, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a baby in September, made it work, yeah, so no big deal. Priorities. Exactly. So what are we going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about the start of fall camp. We have a little bit of basketball recruiting news. Uh, Coach Drinkwitz at a press conference. And the main thing we're going to do is a little recap of last football season, just to try to remember what happened and sort of what the storylines were and how we should be thinking about this upcoming season after reflecting on the results from last year. Uh, before we do any of that, of course, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Subscriber numbers been going up lately. We appreciate that. Last week's video had a bunch of views, a bunch of comments. The, uh, the comment section was popping off. Um, apparently, Missouri's gonna leave the, Missouri's gonna get kicked out of the SEC is what they're saying. And also, comments are wilding. Yeah, the floor for this team is eight wins. I heard so, just great news all around in the comment section. Yeah, tell us how good or bad our takes are. Anything, just we we like to hear from you. Truly, uh, yeah, it was exciting last week seeing all those comments roll in. Uh, so yeah, keep subscribing. We appreciate that. Leave us a re- review wherever you listen to us, and of course, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um. Didn't we miss something last week, maybe? Do we miss something last week? Yeah, we've maybe? been doing this a while, haven't we? Oh, yes. I was going to miss it again. <laughs> I had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, we've been doing this podcast for five years now. Is that right? At, well, that's I'm, what you said before. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it up. Is that the actual have. number? I believe we have. Yeah, we started. We, start, we started uh, audio only, and then 
That is insane. Maybe like a year in, we started doing YouTube. Five years. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Whatever you do, don't go back and listen to the old episodes. <laughs> we got to uh, put that behind a paywall soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, five years. That's insane. We've changed locations multiple times now. Actually, this episode might look a little different because we've got some more lighting. We're trying some new stuff there. We're trying to... It's a work in progress. Always keep improving. So we appreciate everyone that's stuck with us this whole time. Any uh, new listeners? Of course, this is the time of year where I always remind everyone when you have those relatives that inevitably are asking you about Mizzou football two months from now, when they start 3-0, and 4-0, and now's the time to tell them to start watching or listening to our podcast so they can know what to pay attention to, it's what's gonna make, going on. It's going to make the, the season so much better whenever you know all the storylines, know all the players going in. Yeah. And we all have those relatives that uh, are like tangentially aware of Mizzou sports. Only when they lose. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> and they're going to want to come talk to you and be like, so what's what's going on with this uh, Mizzou football here? And you'd be like, just start now listening to the podcast. You won't have to answer those questions. Speaking of the podcast, Cameron, you had a kind of a cool cool thing happen this week. The podcast in general did, yeah. but you individually had your voice show up on a Mizzou hype video that the actual like Mizzou football account put out. Yeah. Had like hundreds of thousands of views yeah and your voice was just radiating uh yeah that from the video that uh twitter video got shared all over the place you found it first organically yeah i was just watching organically and i was like heard just, I mean, it's literally like a two second clip of you talking and i was like hold on a second like i'm pretty sure that was cameron but i had to listen to it like three times just to make sure producer cameron do you have that uh queued up for us oh yeah this team is not lacking leadership. 18 returning starters. We have over 32 players who have started four more games in their college careers. They're putting it all on the line with something to prove. Something to prove. Pretty cool. I'm right there with somebody and Coach Drink. Yeah. Give Eight, me goosebumps. 18 returning starters. Can you give me just 18 returning starters? <laughs> 18 returning starters. Wow. That, yeah, they pulled it's that. honor. They pulled that out of uh, episode from two weeks ago. And I'm um, still waiting for, like, my royalty check <laughs> from all the... It was used on a link to buy tickets. Ooh. And I'm pretty sure when people hear 18 returning starters, they're going to be buying tickets. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> That's what got me hooked. The least they could do is, uh, I don't know, send us a bobblehead or something. Well, Somebody out there is listening, though. How else? <laughs> Somebody is listening. and Welcome in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, now what? Where do, we, where do we go from here, Kyle? We need to talk about the news. Let's start with basketball. Get that out of the way. This time of year, I know people aren't very patient with basketball news, but we've got some hoop heads out there that uh, I want to let them know a couple of prospects that might be Missouri Tigers in the future. And the first one of those is... Trent Burns. He's a seven foot two center, class of 2024. He is visiting Missouri on September 1st. So keep his name in mind. And then another name that you may have heard of before, Peyton Marshall, 6'10, 300 pound post player, originally from St. Louis, now lives in Georgia. He was originally committed to Auburn, 
decommitted when one of their assistant coaches left for Ole Miss. So he is considered, uh, Ole Miss is considered the favorite for him, old uh, Christopher Beard and company. But uh, Missouri. Which is where John Bull just went, by the way. Right. John Bull to Ole Miss. So maybe that center spot is uh, no longer available for them. They might be onto something. So, uh, but he is going to decide where he's going to play college ball on August 11th. So right around the corner. And um, that could impact the other guy I mentioned, Trent Burns, since same position. Did you Uh, mention that that guy's uh, measurables by chance? Marshall? Yeah. Yeah, 6'10", 300 pounds. It's a big fellow. Yeah. That'd be Um, pretty cool. Yeah. He's uh, not going to get moved off the block very easily. Nope. So he's committing somewhere August 11th. It sounds like Mizzou has a serious chance here, especially with uh, John Bowl strangely going to Ole Miss and uh, Marshall originally being from St. Louis. So a couple of hoops, big men to watch out for. I think I think Marshall might end up. I, I think uh, Power Mizzou gave a Future prediction for Mizzou, yep. for Marshall. So seems Both promising well. there, yeah. Now that is all for basketball for right now. Uh, we'll get into football, starting with uh, the start of fall camp, which is always an exciting time. Uh, Coach Drinkwitz had a start of camp press conference where he answered some questions. He gave one injury update that was kind of uh, unintentionally amusing the way he revealed this information. He said, Isaac Thompson has a knee lower body injury he started to say knee injury switched it to lower body injury he'll be out for camp and they will reassess at some point and figure out what's going on there we'll get more details but he started to say knee so that's not not a good thing um yeah i mean you don't like to hear that especially with the isaac thompson struggled with uh yeah i think he tours acl in high school was that a senior year that he tours acl mm-hmm. i think um so obviously i don't think he is in line to start this season but clearly a guy who's fighting for those backup reps and so when he's missing fall camp and you know that's that's pretty integral practice reps that he's not gonna be able to be a part of but it'll be all right and just a or yeah in general kind of a rough start to his mizzou career with uh, him being a four-star in-state guy you know was one of the players that was really boosting missouri's recruiting class numbers uh for his class so hopefully he uh, gets healthy, and we'll see him on the field as an upperclassman. Yep, just a redshirt freshman still. Good news, though, uh, for him specifically, is the NCAA will now offer post-eligibility injury insurance for athletes. So somebody else is listening to the podcast because the we— U.S. government yeah, is listening. The NCAA, we were kind of trashing both of them a couple weeks ago, yeah. but— Apparently, they were listening, and they were like, yeah, you know what? Healthcare for student-athletes, that's actually a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, Other than that, for Drink's press conference, he went through all the different position groups, kind of gave an update on where things stand with some of those. Nothing too earth-shattering there. And because we are going to do the offense preview next week, defense preview after that, I don't... we. It would be uh, just rehashing things if we dove too deep into his press conference remarks on the position groups. We'll get to that in the following weeks. Um, it's one the one thing that everybody's talking about with this press conference, and you heard it on the little clip from the tweet, 
the something to prove mindset. And as much as it's kind of being over discussed at this point, I think it's a good uh, message and a good sort of rallying motto for camp and for the season overall. Yeah. I mean, something that is so overdone, honestly, at this point is just uh, proving like the haters wrong, like, which I I mean, I, I totally understand how that can be, you know, used as motivation for athletes and stuff. But I thought it was cool how they kind of twisted it a little bit to something, uh, a way to prove the people that supported us that they were right. Mm-hmm. You know, the fans, the stakeholders, the the families of the players, you know, everybody who is in the background supporting the students all the way, you know, 365 days a year, mm-hmm. we're going to prove those people right for the the investment of, of time or maybe even money they've made. And I think that was just uh, like, wow, I've never really thought about it that way. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So those of us that are optimistic about Mizzou this year. We are. We should be proven right, hopefully. Um, yeah, so now uh, the meat of this episode, we're going to do a little recap of last year's season. Let me ask you real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Give me a uh, scale a scale of 1 to 10. How exhausted are you with the uh, Winery uh, debacle? Well, I, honestly, because it's trending positive for Mizzou, you know, obviously anything can change, but it seems like his recruitment's going to get wrapped up in the next two to three weeks. I think August 14th seems to maybe be the most solidified date we have for a commitment date right now. And uh, there was a, a Rivals article with uh, somebody who has a future cast for him to Mizzou that was saying uh, he doesn't have any reason to change that prediction right now. Yeah, he got a, got a couple future casts, a couple yeah. more and yeah. since we've recorded last, so... A few more even uh, kind of national analysts that seem to be favoring Mizzou a little bit, which honestly, like in the past when Missouri's been in on some of these big five-star recruits, like even Luther Burden, I felt Mm -hmm. like Missouri's camp felt positive about Luther Burden for months and months, even when he was still committed to Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, and it took the national media so much longer to realize like, okay, this is, this is legit and Missouri Mm -hmm. has an actual shot here. But that honestly doesn't really seem to be the case here. I think Missouri's getting the respect um, for Winery, um, and you know that that seems to bode well. It is very delicious seeing the Oklahoma fans just melting down, freaking out yeah. at the prospect of not landing him, since it has seemed like such a sure thing for them. Yeah, and I definitely don't think it's over by any stretch. I don't want to guarantee anything, but I still think you know I still think Missouri's in a good spot. Yeah, I mean. Other than him having already committed to Missouri, I can't really picture a better situation mm-hmm. than where we're at right now. Yeah, but kind of trying to gather as much information as I possibly can, really, from both sides, both you know Missouri's camp and Oklahoma. Anything that's out there, uh, you know, it really sounds like they're you know the family is they're like they're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, and you know you know Missouri has made apparently a very attractive NIL offer. And they've demonstrated that with Luther Burden, how that how that how that looks, how that's tangibly working, and I think they've put themselves in a great position. Yeah, I think uh, Will Wade would approve of the offer. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet you're right. Yeah, I mean, Winery to Mizzou, it, it's happening. I like the sound of that. Yeah, two five stars in one class, Winery and Wingo. It's nice. It's nice mm. to think about. Uh, yeah, especially, I mean, we've talked about it before, but with the way the recruiting class started to uh, come full circle 
and wrap it up like that would just be, that would be Coach Drinkwitz's best performance yet. Encore. Yeah. I want to see it on the field. Did we see it last year? We saw sparks of it. We saw tastes of it. Yeah. We saw a little bit of what could be. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, maybe we can kind of just go right into uh, kind of recapping last year. But, you know, we talked about Luther Burden last year and our expectations for him. And, you know, I think we were trying to stay modest as much as we could just because he is a true freshman. And it's so difficult to step right into the SEC as an 18-year-old kid and just be everything that people think that you should be. And especially in a situation where Missouri doesn't land very many five-star players Mm -hmm. in football. So, um you know, I think Luther Burden, though, was an excellent example of of recruiting prowess and recruiting recruiting pedigree yeah. and what that looks like, even for a true freshman. And, you know, I was watching some highlights of the first game of the season last year, Louisiana Tech, and they were already just placing so much responsibility on Luther Burden, and he scored at least two different touchdowns in that game, and he was running from the Wildcat, and, you know, he was just doing all facets of the game in his first career game. And yeah. while maybe uh, he might not have lived up to some expectations statistics-wise that some people might have had, I, I think he was everything that we could have hoped for. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, I was trying to set realistic expectations with myself and um, considering that he was a true freshman, and he surpassed those expectations by quite a bit. And... Uh, Next week, when we talk, when we really dig into the offense, we talk about the wide receiver room specifically. I'll try again with some more predictions of what I, how I think it could go this year. Um, It's a little bit easier now that he has established like a baseline. It'd be a little bit easier to predict, I think. But Mm -hmm. um, they're gonna they're gonna make every effort to get him the ball as much as possible. Yep. Uh, So looking at last year, Louisiana Tech game, Luther Burden, welcome to Mizzou and uh he had like five broken tackles on that one uh sideline touchdown yeah that was like a play that probably should have been a tackle for like negative two yards turned into like an eight yard touchdown yeah with three broken tackles yeah that was just a ridiculous play um in that game I was watching the highlights back I watched quite a bit of that one um it seemed like the offense did have a little like first game jitters. Maybe Mm. Uh, Brady cook didn't look super electric or anything close to that. Really. There was one pass in particular that I noticed early on where it was kind of like floated to Luther burden on the sideline. Yes. Very dangerous. It was a completion in this game against Louisiana tech, but there's maybe only three games last year where that is a completion and i think the rest of them it's a pick six so we immediately saw in that first game sort of the what weapons are out there you know dominic lovett luther burden but we saw brady cook be inconsistent um of course they ended up uh winning fairly easily yeah. against uh, louisiana tech defense but. defense helped them out a lot though defense had at least i think they had two uh, defensive scores in that game um and, and that's he, that'll be the story of the whole season yeah and even the defense looked like they kind of w- weren't ready to go right off the bat too in that game you know uh, they gave up a long like 60 70 yard touchdown pass just a slant right up the middle yeah and, um 
those yeah, big I, chunk passing plays yeah. were a problem for sure so um yeah it it took it took everybody a little bit of time to get it dialed in but you know defense definitely figured it out mm-hmm. uh so then immediately week two missouri just gets destroyed by kansas state um i did think it was worth mentioning something that i forgot about by the time the season ended but the kansas state game was only brady cook's third career start and so he had to go on the road in bad weather conditions to kansas state where it was insanely loud all game there was a weird weather delay Mm -hmm. kansas state ended up being a really really good team they were like a top 10 15 team last year in the country and uh and he injured his shoulder yeah and yeah cook never got anything going in that game uh and what's his name taylor martinez destroyed us yeah what yeah adrian martinez adrian martinez (laughs) both (laughs) former nebraska quarterbacks yes uh adrian martinez destroyed missouri uh yeah i mean mainly they're i felt like kansas state defense yeah and that i mean that was probably one of the worst football games i've ever watched yeah it was pretty legitimately yeah, Kansas State's defense was in Missouri's backfield all game long. Wasn't there a stretch where there was like like two or three interceptions on consecutive passes? Like Brady Cook actually got pulled out of the game, and then Jack Abraham went in there and then threw two yes. straight interceptions? Yeah, Cook got injured, but he threw an interception right before coming out. And then, eight, yes, you're exactly right. I think Abraham had like three pass attempts for an incompletion and two interceptions. Yeah. And then I think maybe Cook came back out and threw yeah. another one. Yeah, I, I think, think he might be right. four interceptions. He definitely came back. Cook did. <sighs> that was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, when I was watching some of the highlights back, I actually watched a good chunk of the full game that's on YouTube. Um, there was a stretch where Missouri's defense forced four consecutive three and outs in the second half. You watched a good portion of the Kansas State game? Mm. Well... See, I was going through the season, okay. and I saw on YouTube. I typed it in on YouTube, and then boom, there's the full game. I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. Let's yeah, let's check some of this out." Uh, if that had happened like later in the season, I wouldn't have bothered. But I was fresh on my okay. uh, you know well, research. God bless you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Four consecutive three and outs for Kansas State, or for Missouri's defense, forcing that against Kansas State. That resulted in a total of three points for Missouri. Missouri got the ball back four times after three and outs, total of three points from the offense. That was that game, basically. Uh, Kansas State did put up 40, but the the defense did their best for like most of that game and then uh, just couldn't hold on any longer. I felt like that was, you know, not to go out of order here, but I felt like that was just a, a, a theme of the season where uh, the defense just surprised me at how many times they just held. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I feel like that you would see that happen in football where the defense is clearly the strength of the team and they play really well for a certain amount of the, of the game. But at some point, it's like you just can't keep holding on every yeah. single time. You can't just get off the field every single time. And eventually they kind of just break down mentally and just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. And Missouri's defense just never really did that last year. They just kept playing their absolute hardest every single rep, every single down. Yeah, I, I mean, watching the games, it was like, okay, you know, the defense is going to, they can't keep this up forever. Yeah. Like the offense exactly. has to do something. But the defense in, in several games, 
would be like, nope, we'll give you another chance. We'll yeah. give you another chance. Yep. Nope, we did our job once again, and yeah. the offense uh, let them down a, a lot. Luckily, outside of the Tennessee game, and we'll talk about later, that, I mean, even including the Tennessee game, the Kansas State game was the worst yeah. worst performance of the season. Yep. Got that out of the way week two. and uh, That was at, a little bit scary, though. As the second week of the season, it was like, we're doing this. Oh, yeah. It, it sort of, yeah. It uh, surprised people, I think, how bad Missouri looked in that game. And it's just kind of deflating. You yeah. know, you wait the whole offseason. You, you know, you kind of talk up the team in your mind and then it's first like, real opponent yep first real opponent former big 12 foe and then it's just the worst game you've ever watched and it's like wow we waited all off season for this yeah. yeah luckily missouri was able to bounce back from that game they got to play abilene christian at home a little different team so yeah that missouri won that game uh 34 to 17 abilene christian didn't score it, they scored some garbage time points it was not even that close uh, but what I'll always remember the Abilene Christian game for is Luther Burden's punt return touchdown. Look at Luther Burden go! And that call right there just really set the tone, got me hyped. That was, I have her name here somewhere, Courtney Lyle on SEC. Luther Burden! Yes, Luther she was, Burden. She was really excited. I was excited. The crowd was excited. Was... Incredible performance from Luther Burden in that one. Yeah. It was against Abilene Christian, though, so we'll move on from that. But uh, Luther Burden. Luther Burden! There he is. Uh, So then uh, we have the first SEC game of the year. That is against Auburn. Was that Uh, really the first SEC game? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Right after Abilene Christian, we go at Auburn. And uh, one thing that I wanted to point out from this game is... This was the game where ESPN kept interrupting the broadcast to show us Aaron Judge maybe hit a home run. Do you remember that? I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So they would cut into the Mizzou game and literally, I think like two times he struck out. Because he was about to, yeah, yeah. he was about to hit some milestone home run. Yes. And so I saw that memed so much on Twitter, like because it was not just the Missouri game. It was like, well, because it took him a while to hit the home run. Exactly. Yeah. He he was cutting into everything. (laughs) eventually he hit a home run and we could stop that but uh yeah auburn game we got to see a lot of aaron judge uh harrison mevis missed a 26 yard field goal and there was a little a little bit of like uneasiness there about him for a little while last year yeah i've never been so distraught that i almost physically vomit but i about got there in this game because we needed a bounce back so badly from the absolute destruction that was the Kansas State game. Like, we just, I wanted to beat a, you know, Auburn's, you know, they're a great program historically. Mm-hmm. That's not a team that you have a chance to beat on their field very often. No. And that was the year to do it because they were really bad and Missouri's defense was playing well. They should have won the game. They had so many chances to win the game and didn't. They somehow escaped winning. There's a, uh, there's a video on YouTube that's just the last four minutes of the game, and it's one of the craziest things you'll ever see. You couldn't make it up. Yeah, the comments are every... It's just like nobody wanted to win this game. Like, both teams had multiple chances to win. Um, Mevis missed the field goal. There was... Uh, intercept, Missouri intercepted Auburn, and it looked like that was going to clinch the deal. 
Um, and then, of course, coming down to it, Nathaniel Pete just breaks through the line of scrimmage and at a routine run play looks like he's just going to score and win the game. He should have just taken the, uh, we should have just had first and goal at the one yard line, but he tried to reach out for the touchdown, fumbled it out of the end zone for a touchback. And we had just forced Auburn to kick a field goal in overtime. Yeah. So it won the game. Uh, a touchdown wins the game, but a turnover also ends the game for a loss for Missouri. There's just so, and again, uh, a common theme of this season is, and really every season, is the margin of error is so small. And we'll sit here before the season starts and we'll predict a certain amount of wins and we'll have no idea how they get there or how they don't get there, but it doesn't matter because it's just how many wins did you have. Mm -hmm. And it's insane to think how close Missouri was to at least two more wins in the yeah. season if they just literally don't the mo- do, if they don't do the most insane thing ever. And so I think that's why it was just it hurts so bad whenever you have a chance to beat Auburn on their own field, they don't do it. They need every win they're going to be able to get to get to six wins. Uh, you know, cuz you know, you want to play in a bowl game every year. That should be the absolute baseline for pretty much every Missouri football season. And I think we knew it might be a little bit of a battle to get there. And so every, every SEC game is such a big deal. And it's ga- games that you'll, you know, remember, who knows when the next time we'll play at Auburn is. Yeah. Could be eight or ten years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just why it hurts so bad when you don't uh, don't pull it out when you should. Yeah, that was rough. It was rough. Um, Missouri had a chance to bounce back, though, and uh, hosted number one Georgia. And Did you say bounce back? Yeah. Okay. Bounce back with a, with a loss, yeah. But they had a chance to bounce back. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There was a, you know, huh. you forget Auburn. Which yeah. This was a hyped game. Yes. Number one Georgia coming to our place. Yeah, I thought the fans showed up too. Yeah. Fluke nonsense in the Auburn game. So let's make it right here. And uh, they basically did it. I, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Once again, they yeah. basically won. Um, uh, Brady Cook looked good against Georgia's defense. I mean, maybe a, if I could. If I want to nitpick a little bit, there was a couple throws that were off that maybe could have resulted in bigger plays, but that's an NFL defense. Yeah, and he was uh he was making plays. He looked good throwing the ball. Um Cody Schrader almost scored a touchdown. Um we were uh like lesser a less remembered moment from that game was because mis- it was still a positive thing. Exactly. Uh Missouri forcing a fumble, a strip sack Stetson Bennett, um, Dalen Carnell recovers the fumble with one person in between him and the end zone. And Stetson Bennett, and he lets Stetson Bennett tackle him. Yeah. There's that's, like, that's definitely like the, that's like the low key, like what if thing. Well, cause everybody remembers Cody Schrader's run where he got down to the one yard line. Uh, I'm not even going to say who it was, but we got a false start and then didn't end up scoring. So, that was a missed opportunity, massive. But this one is like, yeah, a little more under the radar where Dalen Carnell just scoops the fumble with only Stetson Bennett, 40-year-old Stetson Bennett, <laughs> in between him and the end zone, and he gets tackled. And uh, if you watch that play back, there's like three other Missouri defenders right next to him. And like, obviously, completely ridiculous to think that this would actually happen. But as I'm re-watching, I'm like, just hold him up. Give it to one of those guys. Give the ball to them. We need this <laughs> touchdown so bad. Because of course they uh, there was a game where Missouri was 
settling for field goals nonstop. And uh, it, uh, it was absolutely a bounce back game for Harrison Mevis. He had been a little shaky. And, you know, I mean, I feel like it's a joke stereotype. I remember like the old NCAA football games making this joke where um, the video game, where it's like kickers are a head case and, you know, one bad kick can destroy them. And it's like the missed kick in the Auburn game, like that could mess somebody up. Uh, but Not he, Harrison Mevis. No, he comes right back against Georgia, kicks a bunch of field goals. But it would just would have been nice if a couple of those, even one of those yeah. was a touchdown. If I could just literally rearrange some of those field goals, I'd probably add one more on the Auburn game, <laughs> maybe take a win there. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Harrison Mevis, big bounce back. Honestly, even though they lost, bounce back for the team. Yeah. They literally almost beat one of the probably one of the greatest football like college football teams that's ever existed yeah and hearing about it this like right now we're hearing a bunch of preview stuff about georgia and the sec in general and it's like and people just keep saying georgia was never really challenged outside of the um mizzou game and the college football playoff like okay yeah and then they won the national championship game by like 17 touchdowns exactly so Missouri, second best team in the country. Absolutely, that's how that works. So uh, at this point, Missouri, it had I didn't all- realize this whole season was just this heartbreaking. Well, it gets a little better. A lot of heartbreak so yeah. far. Missouri's only wins uh, at this point in the season are against Louisiana Tech and Abilene Christian, uh, two and three overall, heading to Florida. Things don't get much better there. The defense does their best, but. Uh, Anthony Richardson. He didn't even play that great of a game. Not even a good game. Just made a couple plays when they absolutely had to have it. Uh, like a fourth and two that he turned into a touchdown scramble. That like haunts me. Um, and as far as Missouri's offense, Brady Cook threw two interceptions. Backbreaking one like yeah. in the red zone. Yeah. So either like, again, with the defense, like, they did everything they could. Yep, and uh, just couldn't couldn't get anything going on offense in that game. And that was an opportunity too, because hey, we've, we're going to have the same opportunity this year. Florida uh, is not as good as they should be or have been in the past, but uh, Florida was a disappointing team last year, and it would have been nice to capitalize on that. Similar to Auburn, you never know uh, how often you're going to beat these teams. Uh, Missouri finally gets a win against Vanderbilt, but it was closer Barely. than uh, we would have liked. 17 to 14 was the final score there. Um, just really ugly game. Good game for Luther Burden and uh, the Missouri defense, basically. And even then, uh, what's his name? Mike Wright kind of carved him up a little bit. They made from it time close to time. at yeah. the end, for sure. Man, it's crazy. I mean, and when you're in the middle of the season, you just you have like hope and confidence in the team every single week, no matter what happens. At least that's how I am going. No matter what happened, I'm ready for the next week. And I'm excited for whatever comes next. But going back like this, like, man, I don't think we had a whole lot to be confident about considering just like it's kind of crazy that they ended up getting to six wins. But just based on what we know about the team right now in the season. Yeah. And going into a road matchup against they were ranked 25th at the time, South Carolina. Yeah. Had some hype around them. Turn the tide of the season. Yeah. Uh, Missouri ends up getting the win and looked fantastic, finally. 
Final score was 23 to 10. Um, Dominic Lovett, big games, 10 receptions, 148 yards. Uh, winning on the road in the SEC, and the defense just like yeah. had Spencer Rattler scrambling for his life the whole time, and that becomes a theme the rest of the season. Missouri's defense is in opponents' backfields constantly down the stretch. It was really fun to watch the defense play. Yeah, Rattler did have a scramble for a touchdown, but I mean, out outperformed by Brady Cook in this game. Yeah, and. Missouri's defense dominated. Yeah, I think Brady Cook definitely improved, obviously improved a lot as the season went on, even with dealing with a shoulder injury, which he tore his labrum. So he was dealing with that the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of learned to just play through it. Um, but uh, I definitely think the two things that changed the season the most were probably the defensive line, figuring it out, like you said, really learning to put the pressure on. And probably Brady Cook's ability to to run the, the ball. Like, he really kind of unlocked that in his game, and I think that really changed things after this point. Yeah, the South Carolina game, he had 11 rushes for 53 yards and a touchdown uh, to go along with 224 passing yards. And this marks the point, starting with the South Carolina game, Brady Cook does not throw an interception the rest of the season. Um, so all seven of his interceptions came before the South Carolina game. Um, and that takes us to the Kentucky game, which is now the third game that probably should have been a win. Now, this one's a little trickier because Missouri was actually losing when the just insane, just the craziest play. Mind-numbingly crazy. The punt sails over the, the, the snap, sails over the punter's head so badly that it's like it just, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. And uh, he actually gets the punt off, but it gets roughing the kicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I watched a highlight of this one earlier today, and it was really a pretty boring game, honestly. It was just, it was ugly. Will Levis, really, honestly, Missouri corralled him. Mm-hmm. Like, they sacked him up many times. Yeah, another dominant head. performance by the defensive yes, line. Yes, again, Missouri's defense was the only reason this game was close, but you're right. Um, I think there was like two or three minutes left in the game. Kentucky had to punt inside of you know their own twenty or thirty yard line. They are up four. They're up by four points. Yeah, but yeah, he he the snap goes over his head, but he barely got it off. And then if if it wasn't for the penalty, uh, Missouri would have had the, the ball in the red zone. Like yeah, they would twenty yard line. They would have been the twenty yard line. They it would have been. I don't know in that game. I don't know if you can just pencil in a touchdown, but. Well, it would have been the, a pretty good the craziness of that play is that like there's a decent a decent percentage of the time that punt play is a touchdown for Missouri. Yeah. Like that ball was sailing to the end zone. It was so lucky that the punter got to it first and was able to get it off. But they announced that they actually changed that rule, yes, and I don't really exactly. know like the verbiage of of the of the rule. But I, it's I guess is it not roughing the kicker if something happens if the punter is five or more yards away from his original punting spot basically then there's no longer any possibility of roughing the kicker yeah it makes it makes sense i mean he had he at that point is a is a runner of the football yeah it's a it's a completely different play yes he is not the punter anymore yeah and it's absolutely insane that that probably cost missouri the game him thinking to still try to punt it though i mean that's probably like drilled into punters heads like if you touch the ball try to yeah. kick it yeah 
he got injured too uh he got hit really hard i don't yeah. know if he actually was injured but he was on the ground like rolling around in pain and he the, was making sure there was a flag thrown yes and there definitely was and the refs were just standing over his body just like talking about the ruling of the play he's like rolling <laughs> around on the ground <laughs> yeah uh, outside of that play though i mean like a couple plays that stand out was brady cook fumbling the ball just completely on his own untouched loses the ball turnover he did make up for it, though with an incredible run late in the game where he like bounced off three tacklers and scored a touchdown um and yeah the missouri's defense dominating the line of scrimmage was so fun to see and it obviously had become a trend at that point mm-hmm. and then missouri travels to tennessee and we don't really need to say much about that one it was kind of close at the beginning and then tennessee just ran away with it that was what you talked about earlier the defense not giving up and just keep bouncing back that was the only one where yeah jalen hyatt uh kind of had his way with us he did uh and the defense was like you know what it's not happening yeah but uh yeah i don't know what else you want to say about that one uh brady cook had the most rushing yards in the game with 106 he had some nice plays. Yeah. Like, he actually, the offense had their moments in that game, but they just, there's no way they were going to hang with Tennessee, one of the best offenses in college football. Yeah. And they were sitting pretty. They were like fifth, I think, and only one loss. Was that, bef- I can't remember if that was before or after they beat Alabama, but they were like, either. had the, they had, they controlled their own destiny, yeah. you could say, f- towards the uh, college football playoff, but yeah. then they choked it away. Well, uh, What's his face? Got hurt. Hendon Hooker. That's true. Yeah. Towards ACL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that will make that a, made difference. a difference. Yeah. He was pretty good for them last yeah, year. Yeah. Honestly, they probably, they maybe had a shot. Yeah. Uh, so Missouri gets absolutely trounced by Tennessee. Uh, it hasn't been that long since Missouri has done that to Tennessee, though. So just for the record. Um, Missouri beats New Mexico State at home. Uh, good game for Brady Cook. Uh 250 yards passing with three touchdowns along with 71 rushing yards. So he uh, showed what he can do against an inferior opponent. And what was the score of that game? Missouri won that game 45-14. to 14. So got to love those uh, non-conference home wins. And that set up the final game of the regular season against Arkansas. And um, is Arkansas is basically only the quarterback Jefferson was their entire team. Uh, Rocket Sanders pretty good too. He made some plays, but uh, KJ Jefferson was basically single handedly trying to will Arkansas back to a win in this one. And you got to see just a physically powerful quarterback. How much of a difference that makes because. Yeah. Missouri's defensive line was getting to him, yeah. but he was just, you know, shrugging off tacklers and yeah. using his feet to extend plays. It he, was he was impressive in that insane, game. Insane, like to watch some of the plays that he got out of, like some of the tackles he uh, he escaped was borderline unbelievable. Yeah, and Missouri's offense did just enough. Uh, the final score was twenty nine to twenty seven. Um, again, though, settling for too many field goals. Mm-hmm. That's as we're as we're sort of learning lessons from last year and starting to think about this coming season 
got to get in the end zone more often. I mean, like, obviously, it's good to score touchdowns. But the amount of times last year that a game would have changed, uh, flipped to a win if we just convert one field goal try into a touchdown. And a lot of times, like, Brady and the offense were able to get chunk plays to just kind of get down the field into the red zone but then just stall out or take a terrible penalty. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's crazy to think how close we were to a pretty special season, win-loss-wise at least, maybe maybe an eight or nine win season. Um, With a victory over the number one team in the country? With how bad the offense was. I mean, the offense was terrible for the majority of the season. Even in a lot of the games they won, it was just, it was brutal to watch. And I guess that's encouraging if just, yeah, like you said, just, average one more touchdown a game or you know just a few of those conversions uh those field a few of those field goals being touchdowns i mean it just changes the complexion of the entire season and so i would like to think i mean i always would like to think that there's some kind of uh you know we kind of regress and there's less just mind-numbing moments Mm -hmm. and there's less just unfathomable things that happen and so they always seem to happen every year because that's what makes college football college football but and it almost evened out, like even just within this season, yeah. holding on and beating Georgia, yeah, that wipes out the weirdness of the Auburn and Kentucky games. Yeah, but uh, Missouri, yeah. It, you know, Missouri being as close as they were with Georgia, they did benefit from uh, multiple turnover, uncharacteristic turnovers from Georgia's offense, stuff like that. So, like, yeah, that does tend to balance out. But man, we just couldn't being on the wrong side of those, you know, razor thin margins, just no fun. It just, it like drives the fan base crazy. It's got to drive the coaching staff crazy. It's, it makes it just the perfect storm for overreaction. Yeah. Cause people don't remember that stuff. Like people aren't actually watching the games and like, you know, that, that can, you know, that affects your perception of the entire, all sports fans, you know? Yeah. So if you're listening to like SEC preview content, and you hear if you know some analyst or somebody's like dismissing Missouri because they keep going only 500 and they don't mention these weird outcomes in last year's seasons like okay they this person was not actually paying attention um with the Arkansas game though it was fun to see those teams going into that game both needing a win to get bowl eligible that was pretty fun mm-hmm. and uh ending the season with a win against Arkansas will always, you know, never gets old. Yeah. Make, make, uh, some of those other problems go away a little bit. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately Missouri played wake forest in the Gasparilla bowl and like a bunch of, I think there were some injuries, some players had already left the team. That was just, nobody cared about that, including me. Of course I took it very seriously while I was watching it and got way too emotionally invested while I'm watching it. Before and after, I'm like, yeah, of course, nobody cares that we didn't even have the real team there. Yeah. But I was on a family vacation to New York City and I had COVID <laughs> watching that game and I was very miserable in many different ways. <laughs> At least you had something to watch while you're, <laughs> I suppose, uh, self isolating. Gosh, I was so mad that night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bowl games, though, like, unless you're in the playoff, it, I mean, it, it has to be like a bowl that, is very special to Missouri. To yeah, or it's got to be some opponent that 
you know you want to get up for like wake forest is like uh, I, yeah and we were trying to and they were like sneaky good too yes, like they had like a course. bunch of experienced yes, players of course and they have to be that good type of quarterback team. and stuff yeah. yeah it was like we were never winning this game in a bowl game setting yeah yeah lost that game 27 to 17 uh but yeah who cares so yeah la- i mean last year everybody's talked about it but only six wins we go 500 again it's disappointing but there's reason to be optimistic we find out in the off season about uh brady cook's shoulder and we're like okay well he's playing injured maybe that explains a few things um luther burden you know he's gonna he's coming back he's gonna be uh more experienced brady cook's gonna be more experienced we're bringing back almost all of the offensive line and adding new starters to the offensive line so the entire off season other than dominic lovett's departure which of all the position groups to lose a key uh piece wide receiver room is the most manageable every bit of the off season kind of i think added some optimism to this upcoming season yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of the other teams in the SEC are, are losing big pieces, too. Obviously, you know, I don't think I'm as scared as K- of Kentucky this year with no Chris Rodriguez, no Will Levis. I think their offensive line is still going to struggle. Um, you know, they, they, no they do enjoy Hooker. reloading in the transfer portal. That's, but yeah. that's like a coin flip every season, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tennessee's losing Hendon Hooker. I mean, they, they have a good quarterback um, prospect. But Florida, I think, like basically flipped their entire roster this yeah. offseason. And of course, Missouri adds an offensive coordinator, which had been every loss that the offense struggled, which was most losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was always conversation about Drinkwitz calling the plays. Does he need an offensive coordinator? Does he have too much on his plate? Yeah. Um, there was, you know, a little bit of ambiguity about what exactly was coach hamden doing he's the quarterback's coach and you know there was it just didn't and it felt like the games that maybe there was some hamden interference like we were playing better right there was rumors that like he was calling the plays some of the time involvement not interference yeah well yeah (laughs) yeah uh i think that was one of the biggest things in the offseason that um kind of restored hope for me mm-hmm. and drink was a little bit was mm-hmm. like okay i think he realizes he's got too much going on he's trying to be the ceo he's trying to manage recruiting he's trying he's trying to manage the team in the locker room and then oh by the way he's calling all the plays like one man can only do so much and yeah. i think that was that's the best possible thing for him to get off of his plate yeah uh that someone else can do and improve the improve the team improve the offense so I thought that was, um, you know, that was a respectable move in my eyes for him to, to, uh, you know, get those duties off his plate. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, that that everything I mentioned before, all of that, just it sets us up for a team that's, uh, you know, I heard they're returning eighteen starters. And somebody, some very wise man somewhere said that. I've been once. hearing that all over the place. And uh, I guess yeah, just every little bit of news from the offseason added a little bit of cautious optimism to this upcoming season. And it makes perfect sense why some analysts and some commentators have sort of stuck their neck out there a little bit and been like, you know, I think Missouri is the dark horse in the SEC East and uh, I'm high on them this year. 
I think that there's every there's a lot of good reasons to feel that way. Now we we're gonna break down the entire season and predict wins and losses later, but the vibe right now for me is cautious optimism, and um, depending on what some of these other rosters look like, how much returning talent they have, eighteen returning starters. No, no, I guarantee you, none of them have eighteen returning starters uh, like the Missouri no. Tigers. No, uh, we you, could we could seriously be in for a special season this year. You can craft the narrative, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm doing it. I'm I'm you're crafting do it. it. Yeah. All right. You're telling yourself that story. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I think uh, it's uh, it's taking some time to kind of smooth smooth out some of the, all the bumps and get the talent you know, kind of develop, and it just takes time. You know, we've talked about it a lot in football, but bringing in talent does not is not an immediate return. And I think at this point, you have to start seeing that pay dividends, and I think we, I think we will. Unfortunately, the biggest question mark is the quarterback position, the most important position on the field. And it's, uh, I'm, I have this sinking feeling that, we're not going to have answers as soon as we would like. And I don't know. It just, I've said, I feel like I've said it a million times on the show, but that instability at the quarterback position is just a nightmare. Anytime you have a, a guy who doesn't have, and hopefully the team can just shut all of this stuff out as far as like the fan base reacting from week to week. But I don't want to go through another season of second-guessing who's the starting quarterback every single game. I believe we probably will. Well. Because there's more than one guy that we know can do it. And no matter what, if, if things aren't great, that's always going to be in the back of our minds. And, of course, it is always possible that there's more than one guy that equally can't do it, which is scary to think about. But we don't know that. Yeah. We do know Brady Cook last year was good enough to, you know, if a couple balls bounce different, he was good enough to lead this team to eight wins. So um, we will talk more about Brady Cook. We will talk about Sam Horn and the rest of the offense next week and give our thoughts there and go position group by position group and uh, get even more excited for the upcoming season. Uh, we'll talk about Luther Burden quite a bit. If you know and like that guy, you can look forward to that. Um, Kyle, anything else? Are we done here? Okay. Let me wake my computer up. I will do a special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy, Day, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel. Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Producer Cameron, can you give me, give me a Luther Burden go? Sure. Luther Burden! Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.